red citizens of Norda. The king has drawn a line in the sand and declared war on our people. We must not let this stand. Now is when we must band together more than ever and show the Silvers that we will not cower. We will not slink back into the shadows. We are everywhere and we will continue to rise red as the dawn. I'm Greg Rockefeller. I'm Beth Rockefeller. And I'm Mia Rockefeller. And this is Reading with the Rockefellers, a family book club podcast. Today, we are discussing Red Queen by Victoria Aveyard. So grab a copy and join us on this literary journey. I spend much of the next day exploring, though my mind is somewhere else. White fire is older than the hall, its walls made of stone and carved wood rather than diamond glass. I doubt I'll ever learn the layout of the whole thing, as it holds not just the royal residence, but many administrative offices and chambers, ballrooms, a full training court, and other things I don't understand. I guess that's why it takes the secretary nearly half an hour to find me, wandering through a gallery of statues. But I won't have more time to explore. I have duties to fulfill. Duties, according to the king's chatting secretary, that apply to a whole range of evils beyond just reading the measures. As a future princess, I must meet the people in arranged outings, making speeches and shaking hands and standing by Maven's side. The last part doesn't really bother me, but being put on parade like a goat at auction isn't exactly exciting. Welcome to Reading with the Rockefellers. This is episode 14, Red Queen, chapter 24. So, Mare has duties now. No more lessons, no more protocol, no more training. She's in the big show now. Mm -hmm. Happy about the lack of two of those things. It's correct. It's parade around the silver who lived as a red and tell all the silvers and all the reds that they should listen to her and be loyal to the king. And You know what I mean? She's They're trying to turn her into a symbol instead of being a symbol for their freedom, a symbol for them. That's exactly what they're doing. Exactly. They're trying to break her in the process. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely didn't do her any favors by making her first public appearance be the reading of the measures. Right. You know, that's the way to introduce her to the country. Like, I mean, they're setting her up to fail from the beginning. Right. So Mm -hmm. she's already behind the eight ball when she's getting all of this stuff started. And she's too busy just being distracted by the world of silvers that she doesn't understand what she's supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Like, she's so far out of her element. The fact that they even have tasks that she needs to be performing is just crazy. Because she's never been anywhere like this before. I mean, this is even bigger than... The Summer Palace. Right. So right. She's this not is... used to any of this life, and now all of a sudden she's got all this stuff that she's got to do and all these places she's got to be paraded around to, and it's got to be insane. Yeah, it's new for her, and it has to be overwhelming. It can't be easy. They're parading her around. She's seeing things also while she's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, like Silver's. Just random silvers attacking reds. Mm-hmm. 
hurling insult at them. Yeah, and she sees this physically. Everywhere yeah, she goes. everywhere. It's just become a part of life. Yeah, it's just commonplace. Right. And they're not letting them complete even the most simple task. You know, their their silvers are heckling all of the reds. Yeah. So it's it really makes them look childish, I guess, is the right word for it. It's just, you know, it, they're pent-up aggression, and they don't have anything better to do than take it out on this lower class just yeah. because they're reds, you know what I mean? It just, it seems, it's so idiotic. Yeah, it's partially, you know, pent-up aggression, but it's also partially the the Scarlet Guard, obviously, plays a part in it. Well, yeah. Of course. So they're they're just angry at all Reds because they don't know what Reds specifically to be angry at. And the, so they're taking it out on normal Reds who don't know anything just because they can't find the right Reds to take it out on. Right. And the King and the Ruling Silvers don't really do anything to stem that. You don't hear the King in any of his speeches saying, now don't attack your normal Reds. Because they're loyal to the king. Well, because he doesn't that. care. I know. Yeah, when security making... does, like, the bare minimum to keep things from getting completely out of hand. Right. But yeah. But they He's let... clear that they're like... not going to stop anybody from what they're intending to do. Right. Keep them from becoming, like, full riots <clears throat> and, like, a bunch of reds from dying. That's all they really care to avoid. Yeah. Just as long as it doesn't become a huge thing, it doesn't really Right, because, well, it's going to look bad if the Silvers, for any reason, massacre a bunch of Reds. Right. That's going to turn the tide. You can't have that. Yeah. But it's pretty clear how things are perceived. You know, the yeah. the art gallery, when she goes in and she sees the display of paintings that are just nothing but silver dominating red, you know, it makes it pretty obvious what the Silvers have in mind for any red that they're suspicious of. Yeah. You know, it's basically just open season on any red that you think might be in the guard. You know, you could get rewarded for that, so. Right. Right. Like putting a bounty on reds. Yeah, Even pretty if you much. don't really have, like, any evidence yeah. that they're in the guard, it doesn't matter. So it's giving people an excuse. And that's not okay. Yeah. But it's effective. Very effective. Very effective. Maven in this part is playing the super dutiful fiance. Yeah. And he does adorable little things like squeeze Mare's hand when a red gets knocked down. He's like a little puppy. <laughs> He's so sweet. Yeah. Calms her down when she's getting all mad because of everything that she sees going on in the streets, you know, he knows that it's going to affect her and that she can't be, like, outwardly affected by it because she can't blow her cover story. So, you know, he's doing all these little things to make her feel better. I know, I know. 
So is there there's there's a passage there that kind of encapsulates what Mayer thinks of Maven at that exact moment. Yeah, it's a great passage. I can go ahead and read it. Cowl might be born to rule, but Maven was meant for it. And Maven is willing to change the world for us, for the Reds he was raised to spit on. She's certainly putting him up on a pedestal. Right. Yeah, this is very different than the mayor from a few chapters ago that was like, do not trust him under right. any circumstances. She's, you know. she's gone complete opposite direction. Well, and and she's also frustrated at this point in time because she really wants to tell somebody about this Horkin list. Right. And there's too many people around. She can't do it. She's, she wants to tell someone about this list so bad. She is I, dying inside. I told your daughter earlier. I'm here. I know. I told Mia <laughs> earlier, I think you were here, that they should, if they make this book a musical. Please, no one ever do that. This would, this would be the part where there would be a song called The List and Mare would be dancing and singing around about The List, The List. Yeah. I could tell someone about The List. I know I can't sing, but you, you get the point I'm making. She's, it's like, she's like nuts. It's, she talks about it so many times, oh like the gosh. next couple of paragraphs, basically, about how she wants to tell someone about this list. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, been she cannot dying keep a secret. Oh my God, girl, no. calm down. She cannot. Not it's, even a little bit. And like she's I, only got one person that she can trust there anyway. So. Right. right. It's like, I want to tell Maven about this list, but there's too many eyes watching, so I can't right now. And then, like, the second that they're not in complete public eye, she's like, hey, Maven, there's this list. I can't tell you about it right now, but, like, there's a list. She, like, tells the person next to her, hey, tell Maven, tell the guy next to you, tell the guy next to him, tell the girl next to her, him. To tell Maven that I've got a list that I want to talk to you about. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, all like in Ferris Bueller, right? My sister's cousin's boyfriend's best friend's yeah. girlfriend. Yeah, like she she's got to get this list out there. Yeah, she's it's, dying, I, and it's an important list. I mean, I get it, but she won't shut up. It is an important list, but maybe she should sit and think. Maybe there are a few things that I should kind of keep close to the vest. Right. Maybe there are some things that I shouldn't just share. I like. I know right. that she really trusts Maven, and yeah, but I do she's too. Got to remember what Julian used to say. Exactly. Anyone, anyone can, can betray, betray anyone. anyone. Right. I mean, I understand her wanting to get it to Farley and the Scarlet Guard because they can actually do something with it. Right. But. Does Maven need to know about it right now? Yeah, my thing when I was reading this again was, and you know, looking through it, the well, lens of now, like... She's a 17-year-old. She's a 17-year-old. This is now, like, at least the third time that I've read this chapter. You know, the first two times I read it and then the, reading it for the podcast. But if I'm Mare... At this point, and I am thinking of the best way to handle some of these situations, I'm thinking there's some stuff that I'm going to want to hold back from Maven because Maven knowing you run the risk of Alara knowing. Right. Every single thing she tells Maven can come out in whatever 
you know, conversations that he has with Alara. She's seen Alara read Maven's mind before, before the ball. And so she knows what it looks like and how exactly. easy it is for her. And right. if she tells him about this list, you know, if you're one step away from Alara knowing about it. And, and the minute she knows about it, it's all over. Exactly. And it's not one of those things where it's like, don't you trust Maven? Of course, at this point, it's not about if you trust Maven. It's about, but there's always Alara. Yeah. Right, 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 right. It's not just that, yeah, exactly. It's not just that. Maven knows now, and he could turn his back on you because I think he's he's done a pretty good job of proving to Mayor that he's right. There is the absolutely things he's done that she, she could trust him. Right, there's no reason to suspect him right now. Right, right. But how? I mean, I even Mayor is around Alara enough that it's scary that she doesn't right. know yet. Maven's around her all it. the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Why wouldn't you? I mean, I mean, you would think Maven would understand. If she were to say that. But there's some things I have to hold back from you exactly. just because, right. you know, it, it's not that I don't trust you. I don't trust the gifts that your mom has, you know. Correct. Right. I don't, it's not that I don't trust you. It's that I don't trust your mother. Yeah. Yeah. It has absolutely nothing to do with Maven. It's right. about Alara. Because, I mean, from what Mare has seen, Alara can come into your room while you're sleeping and read your mind. Exactly. You don't even need to be aware of consenting party to what she's doing. Exactly. Right. And she can get in your mind without you knowing. Yeah. You can just not feel it. Yeah. So anything that he knows is dangerous. But yet, despite all that, she's dying to tell him about this list. About and the flibbity jibbity list. I feel like if she had a bullhorn, she would just go ahead and tell everybody. Hey guys, I got a list. I got a list. But, and she does kind of wonder, you know, and, and I got to admit the first time I read this and saw the list, I was wondering the same thing is about all the different powers that could be there in that list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, what her power is something that's, have? nobody else has ever seen before so maybe this is a list full of people with powers that they've never seen before like hers yeah it's a very cool thing to think about where it's like oh there could be this power in this one like just things that you wouldn't imagine without having a reason to right all kinds of abilities i mean that's they call them abilities because that's kind of more what they are they're just super powered abilities supercharged abilities but there are different kinds of abilities, but it makes them special. Right. And she wonders, you know, kind of briefly about what Shade's ability was would have been. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if they could have been dueling when they were little kids or whatever. Right. She's like... <laughs> they just never realized she it. She pulls herself back into the... Oh, Shade. Like, she makes herself sad again. She's always so sad. Yeah. Always. She likes to bring it down. Well, she does. She doesn't want to be happy. Well, she she whispers to Maven that they need to find Farley. Because she's ready to tell him about the list. I am yeah. to tell like, All right, everybody. I don't, there's people around. I don't care. I got to tell him about the list. She's like, hey, so we she's need to find like, Farley. She's like, and he mutters back. So add one to the mutter count. Yep. That he has no doubt that Farley will get in contact with them soon enough. 
if she's not watching them already, which is creepy. I don't find it creepy. You don't listen to and watch as much true crime content as I do. Well, but... I find it slightly creepy. It's it's just... It's not like I'm stalking you. It's like I'm... I want to... Trying to find a time to get a message to you so that we right. can actually meet. Well, and then Mare looks around at the crowd that they're in. And she sees... You know, she's she's been so consumed with looking at the other silvers and trying to understand that the silver world that she's in, that she's, it's almost like she's looking around and just now noticing how many reds there are. Like everywhere you look, there's reds. For it being a silver town, there's an there's awful a lot of red. whole lot of reds. Yeah. Because everybody needs servants, right? And everybody needs People to do things for them, and silvers aren't going to do that. It's going to exactly. be reds because silvers so, don't do anything for themselves. Like I mean, crappy people. Maven did say in one of the previous chapters that they're like shop owners and That's stuff true. like that. So I mean, that silvers. It seems like they'll stoop to like. Upper level management, but it depends. And entrepreneurship, but that's as that's as low as they go. But it, it they're de- not doing also, anything entry level. It also depends on you know how they were born. If they were born a common silver, then that's basically how they're going to stay. But it's right. not like a silver that was born into some kind of nobility will ever stoop down to that level. Yeah, it's kind of a you get the life you're born into situation. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of had this conversation before about how somewhere along the way there had to be some sort of super spoiled high house silver that was kicked out and sent to live in a red village and had a baby with a red girl. And that's how all of this new blood started. None of that is canon. I'm just. I don't know. It's a good theory, though. Driving down a road. And there, I've already developed it more than the creators of Game of Thrones, if anything, in the last two seasons. So Wow. Going in hard. That's right. She also notices, once she's looking at these crowds, that these are not the kind of crowds that she could have easily slipped through. Right. Back in the stilts. And she's not the kind of person that can easily slip away anymore. Not anymore, yeah. She is... She tries to, they're, they're going around a corner or whatever, and she gives Maven and the Sentinels the slip, and they continue across the courtyard and don't even really know that she's missing, and she turns two corners, and she's basically away from everybody. Mm-hmm. So she does still have a little bit of a touch. But it's not her touch, like, it's not like she's lost her touch for slipping away. It's the fact that she's a lady now. Yeah. Like, she's under so much guard that if one person notices that she's gone, immediately there's going to be an entire search party of Sentinels looking for her. And her face has been on TV. Exactly. Right. So And I'm sure they've got her in some foofy dress or touring outfit that's, what is it, purple and silver? Her house. Those are those colors. colors. Yes. So she slips away from the group of people, Maven and the guards and whatnot, and a little boy runs up to her. Uh huh. And this is 
by far the cutest part of this chapter. Because the rest of this chapter is either depressing or, you know, really strategic. Yeah. I imagine this boy looks like a version of Baby Dory. (laughs) Like Kyrie when she was little. Yeah. Only this kid's like 10, so it's not like, yeah, that little. But, But like, I I can just imagine his voice, too. For some reason, I imagine it being really high-pitched, even though he's 10. My lady, he dropped this. He uh, dropped this, my lady. Does she know he's ten, or is that just what she says? She he's looks probably, like he's probably ten years 10. old. Yeah, she yeah, she just estimates that he's yeah, around ten years she old. Guesses. But I mean, she doesn't remember dropping a piece of paper, but she takes it from him anyway. She puts it in her pocket. Kudos to whoever dresses Mare. Make sure she always has pockets because <laughs> we try and dress. In things that have pockets and comfortable clothing, and they still don't have pockets. Not always, no. The costume that I wore during the 101 Dalmatians had pockets. I know, I know, I'm hungry. Tell me. I couldn't use them. I'm sad. But I bet your dress for Once Upon a Mattress didn't have pockets. It did not. No. Missed a huge opportunity. A sentinel catches back, catches up with her after she's snuck away, and this little kid gave her the paper. And... They get her on the transport with Maven, and she opens the paper. Yeah. The paper says, Hexaprin Theater, afternoon play, the best seats. And she gives it to Maven because only about half of those words make sense to her. Right. It took me a couple of times reading that. To understand what she meant by that. <laughs> because, you see, the reason that it took me a long time to... Like, I understood, but I was like, how? Because, you know... I was like, is it written in code that I don't understand? It's written in plain... Whatever language they speak. Yeah, the common tongue common or whatever. Language. But, Mare... Doesn't know what a play is. Yeah, she doesn't know what a play is. She doesn't know what a theater is. And hexaprin sounds like something that you take for some sort of purpose. It so really it's does. very clear. Ask your doctor now if, you if hexaprin may you be right take for you. Hexaprin. <laughs> I, the side the effects, list of side effects. Yes, <laughs> children born with head That's and where the abilities came from. It was hexaprin all along. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> I still can't believe that song was number one on iTunes. It's sketchy. It's actually about hexaprin. No, (laughs) it's been Agatha all along from Uh, WandaVision. Oh, did you block that out somehow? Yes. How? I just did. Why? It's at the end when she's fighting in her Scarlet Witch costume. That's why he blocked it out. He there was a song. I guess. Right. <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah, so... Get back on track. Maven explains to Mare that a play is when people, or actors, perform a story on stage. She says, back home, we didn't have time for bedtime fairy tales, let alone stages and actors and costumes. Hmm. So we've seen Mare have some pretty hilarious firsts in this. 
book. Yeah. We saw the first time that she was in an elevator. That one was hilarious because we got to talk about your semi-rational fear of elevators. That I now take like six times a day, maybe eight. I take an elevator a lot. But then then we had her first time on a motorcycle. That one was really fun. Her first encounter with a garage. Yeah, her first uh, encounter with a garage door, an automatic door. And now, that was incredibly fun. Yeah. Now Maven has to explain to her what a play is. Yeah, what theater is. This part made me think of the invention of lying when... They had the world before anybody could tell a lie, and movies were just actors reading history books. Oh, right, yeah. Because <laughs> you couldn't be an actor. You couldn't say things that weren't true because nobody could lie. So everything that came out of your mouth had to be the truth. So they just had really good-looking people read history books, and that was the movies that you went to go see. So funny. Yeah, and then one guy tells the first lie, and then gets away with it, and everything works out. So he just starts telling lies. And who was the uh, guy? Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Very funny. Such a funny movie. So funny. The first lie that he ever tells is that <laughs> he goes to the bank. Mom. No, I have to tell you. It's so funny. Can I'm you on tell me now. this later? No. He goes to the bank. It does. It's not going to take very long. He goes to the bank. We're recording a podcast. I know. I could have been done by now. He goes to the bank and they're like, your account says that you have 14,700 pounds or whatever, but our, um, our system is down so we can't see any recent transactions. Does that amount seem right to you? And he just like so easily goes, yeah, that's about right. Even though it's a complete lie. Ah. And so he's shocked that he just lied and now he has to cover it up and not make the bank person suspicious because that's like you know a hundred times more money than he's supposed to have in there or something. He's supposed to have like a dollar forty seven and their decimal point is wrong. Absolutely hilarious. But anyway now Thank you for getting back on track yes, after that. Circling back around we now see Mare's first theater experience. Seventeen years old, and she doesn't really get to see much of anything. No, no, she doesn't get to see any show. She does see that all the reds there are the ones that work there. That there's no reds taking in the performance that day. Correct. Out of leisure, they're all working there. Maven. One thing about Maven is when they first get in there, he's like, "We have some time. Want to make out?" Yeah. <laughs> Such a dude move. The first thing he wants to do is make out. Perfect gentleman. All he wants to do is make out. She's like, listen, I want to make out too. Now is not the time. I am exactly that kind have to of worry girl, about. But not right now. Yeah. Was that, did she say that before or after she pried his face off of hers? Because they, he did, like, he did kind of get in there for a minute. Yeah, after. She has to, she's the one that has to break everything Mm -hmm. and so the you know the lights dim for the theater blah 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 whatever the door locks they're in there alone and they hear the scrape of a ceiling tile (gasps) 
And this is the signal Mare's been waiting for. So she knows exactly what to do. She, Sarah Connors her way up into the ceiling and then has to reach back down and pull Maven's scrawny butt up there. <laughs> Sarah Connor was like a, she's a character from the movie Terminator. Okay, and when she yeah. came back Why in the second explaining? one, she was like mega buff and like doing chin-ups from the pipes okay. in the prison. Yeah, awesome character. Continue? Yeah. Anyway, so they get up in the ceiling, and there's a voice. <gasps> but Mare doesn't recognize the voice. She recognizes their smell. <gasps> Who is it? Will Whistle. It's Will! <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> I got really good at gasping over Apparently this Apparently Will show. smells like tea, old spices, and that blue candle. I thought you were just saying Old Spice. No, not Old Spice. (laughs) Old Spices. Old Spices. I wonder how close, like, you know, if her editor had to be like, hey, (laughs) could you maybe change this to, like, aged spice so we don't get close to sued? It's a little borderline. It's like, nah, I'm good. What was the Old Spice uh, commercial back in the day. Why do you care? Mom, because they were hilarious. So what was their catchphrase? Back in the day when? Um, a few years ago when they had the dude on the horse. They had some catchphrase and I can't remember what it was. Man, those commercials were hilarious. Okay, why are you getting so sidetracked today? I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, they follow Will Whistle up into the air shaft they squeeze by John McClane. Come out to the coast. Have a few legs. Hey, John. <laughs> hey, what's up? So then they end up going, they like go through like back channels and air shafts and all these back ways that all the Reds know that the Tunnels and don't. Crap. Right. And they end up basically below ground level. Yeah, they're underneath the stage and everything. And when they get there, this is another one of Mare's where she's just shocked by something and overwhelmed when the <laughs> like the, the, the under train comes in. Like yeah. Harry Potter at the beginning of every movie when he sees magic happen, even though he's been in this world for like four years and he's still in awe of what it can do. It's like, honey. Yeah. He's like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, Sweetheart. Wow. But so. so, when when you're reading this, you're like, you're like, what is going on here? What what is happening? You know, she's talking about how the walls are shaking, and you hear this great screeching noise, and then a giant metal worm appears. And I was like, is this an episode of SpongeBob? I don't understand what's going on. It's a, a giant metal worm. Well, anyone and I was like, who, oh, it's a train. Yeah, it's just yeah. basically People the old subway. Like New York are like subway. Yeah, yeah. But she doesn't know that. She exactly. doesn't know what the subway is. So to her, it's a giant metal worm that screeches. And Maven doesn't know. No, this is news to Maven, and so that there are clearly well. things the Silvers don't know too. And who is inside? Farley. That's right. The Undertrain, starring Farley. Yeah, so she tells them that this is called The Undertrain, and that their techies have built it, and that it uses these tracks that the Silvers even forgot were there. Yeah. 
So they're completely undetectable because nobody knows that they exist down there. Yep. Maven is aghast. He cannot comprehend that anything like this went on without them knowing it. Like, <laughs> how could Reds be smarter because than nothing Silvers? ever gets past Silvers. Yeah. So, do I say bamboozled? Ever. Right? You know, he's he's just like, oh, how did you do this? And And she basically gives him the silent Bob to J-line in Chasing Amy. She's like, what you don't know about the Scarlet Guard, or what what, what you, you do know, know about the Scarlet Guard wouldn't even fill a teacup. Yeah, so they know so little, and I kind of like it. Yeah, he's just baffled, you know, he's like, what are you talking about? You know, we've only just recently heard of you in the last, I don't know, what time frame are we looking at in the book here? Like, maybe six weeks? Two months? Yeah. Probably since the first bombing in the in the very beginning, Giza got her hand broke. I think the higher up, probably above Maven, and he wasn't privy to conversations, including the king. I think knows probably knew about them longer. They discussed that because they tried to hide it. But but how big they really were, I don't even think those people had a clue. Right, and we're about to find out. It gets so much bigger than anybody thought. Could have imagined. Yeah. There's so... There's just so much more. Yeah. So by the, by this time, they've worked their way out from underground. And they're riding along on these tracks. And Maven looks outside and he notices that they're heading south out of Archeon. And he flips out. Yeah. He loses it. Because the south is still radiating. Yeah. Where the ruined city is. Yeah, it's exactly. where the ruined city is. It's where everything is completely radiated. You can't even go there or you'll die of radiation poisoning. Exactly, which sucks. So they get to their stop and he is asking Farley, like, do you know what happens with radiation? Yeah. And she lists off the hexaprin siding side effects. <laughs> Yeah. You know, basically describes to him what radiation sickness is. And, and then death. Right, and then death. And so he's like, so you want to kill us? Why would you bring us here just to kill us? And he's convinced that they are there to get radiation poisoning and die. So to the fact that he is on the ground with Mare, they get thrown on the ground when the train, when the train stops. stops. But he won't even get up off the ground. He's like in the fetal position, <laughs> petrified. Mommy! Yeah. He, he doesn't even want the air from around the train lying, to get in and Lying touch in a puddle of his own pee with a snubble hanging out of his nose. Yeah. And Maven panic. I, I love what Farley says. She's like, how do you know that the South is still radiated? Like, how are you sure? Yeah, as she just casually steps over them right. on the floor of the train. She's like, how do you know that the South is still radiated? And he's like Bill Gates from the, the South Park movie. Well, we have data and detectors and resources that say that, you know, basically they have all these machines that surround the area that tell them the amount of radiation level. And as long as it still meets these specific criteria, then they know not to go there because the radiation is too high. But Farley's like... Yeah, who, who built makes those machines? Those idiots? machines. The Reds do. Yeah. 
takes Maven a bit to catch on. <laughs> it's just, well, Maven, the techies do down and blah, 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 blah. Red, she's, she's like, like, techies? Reds? All the detectors oh, lie. All the detectors lie. Like, it took you long enough, sweetheart. I got it. Yep. Smart. Way to go. Good job, Maven. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Maven isn't the smarter one. Uh, well, Cal's pretty stupid. Cal's just bullheaded. <laughs> yes. So three times eight equals ten. So do they finally pry three plus eight? Three plus eight equals yeah. Equals ten. ten. So they do they finally pry Maven up off the floor and get <laughs> yeah. him to leave they the other train? They eventually get him off the floor. They manage yes. to get Maven out of there, and they're in what still looks like a ruined city, right? Because it hasn't been rebuilt by Silvers because they've been yeah. Nobody goes down there because they think, think it's all radiated, so it looks deserted. But if you look a little closer, it is not deserted. There are people everywhere. You just got to look where to find them. They're, yeah. They're red fugies. Yes. Thank I like you. that. Hashtag. Mare says that she's aware that they have electricity. She can feel it, but there's not very much. Like They use pretty much only what they need to get things running. And she takes her into this abandoned, quote-unquote, diner where there's a woman who's actually sweeping the floor. So while they're keeping it, you know, looking abandoned, they're still, you know, they're still keeping things nice and tidy. Right. Which I thought was kind of quaint. But they walk into the diner. They're trying. Yeah. And guess who's sitting at a booth in the corner in the diner? Sorry, I can't sound enthusiastic about this. Kalorn? Kalorn! No? We're not happy to see Kalorn? I mean, I'm kind of happy, but... Help? He's still at the restaurant? No. No? Okay. Is is this... I like the reference, but now's not the time. Okay. Is this where Farley starts busting Mare's chops? Yeah. Farley goes full the janitor. And just starts busting chops. Busting chops. That's good. Yeah, yeah. She is not happy with Mare in this moment. And she's got some ribbing to take out on her. Mm-hmm. Well, first, when she first, when Mare first sees Kalorn, they're all like, they're like, oh, hey. And Farley's like, that, we don't have time for this. Yeah, not no today. time for you guys to get cute. I don't care. Shut up. Uh, so what does, uh, what does Mare or what does Farley throw in Mare here? Do we have any juicy quotes? Mom, you got any? Got any? Do you have any juicy quotes? Got any tea? Well, we've got the Farley sass, where oh. she says, I, I take it you saw Farley. the villages on your cruise down the river, and the new laws, I know you've heard about them. Oh, right. Ouch. So just instantly bringing that back. But it's Maven that jumps to Mare's defense first. He says, that's what happen when, happens when you threaten a beast. Like, what did you expect was going to happen? We told you that there was going to be consequences for what you did. And you can't blame that on Mare because it was you guys that right. started it, pretty much. And I think at this point, it's just Farley. Like, she doesn't care. <laughs> I honestly think it's, I think she does care, but I think this is, I mean. I think she's deflecting a little bit. Yeah, knowing the character, 
problem is reading, having read forward, you know more about her than you do now mm-hmm. as a character. But just the way she's even written now, I just I think it's more that this is how she vents. I don't think yeah. she's intentionally trying to. And I think it's almost like. I think this is just how she lets it's it almost out. Like, it's yeah. almost like she's just prodding her, and it's like she actually does care about Mare and likes her. Right. She just And respects her, but she's got to get it off her chest because exactly. it really right. makes her she angry. She has to get it out somehow. That they're going after Reds, but she knows this is coming. She knows this is part of the revolution. Yeah. But it's hard for her. I, I don't think it. she's just... I think she almost has to act like this. Otherwise, it would probably drive her nuts. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure that there's a lot to be said for her being... A young woman right. trying to lead this revolution, you know, like you said, we we learn more about Farley's background and stuff later on. But even at this point, that's a trek. Wow! But even Sorry, at, listeners, so like an elephant farting like, down the highway. <laughs> I thought maybe somebody's oh phone was on vibrate. I was like, somebody turn off your phone. I I think at this point, y- you can kind of guess that some of it's also about her upbringing, how she was raised. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, she's just kind of raised in a different way than yeah. most people. You can tell she doesn't understand normal interpersonal communication. That's not her forte. Yeah. She, oh, for it's, sure. It's kind of hard for her to get close to people to she's, actually, she's you know, She is really awkward around Yeah. People interpersonally. Not necessarily to trust them. I mean, it's hard for her to trust people, but it's also difficult for her to just get close to people. Right. And she can't feel that emotional connection easily. She's kind of awkward in like these kind of situations like this where they're just talking and doing things, but whenever it's the situation where her life is on the line and there's all kinds of firefights going around, she's like the completely composed person. Yeah. Or, a cute yeah. or when they're talking like, you know, business or strategizing and stuff. She's right. really good she's, at that. She's all business and she's like, but when she's not talking about that stuff, trying to be just normal, she can't do it. Yeah, it clearly has something to do with her upbringing, I'm sure. Well, and we'll see as the book goes on more and more, but we can only imagine up until this point, she probably made the mistake in the beginning of this of getting close to people. Right. And then realizing and then, that that doesn't work out so well. Exactly. Because when you're going through a revolution like this, you're going to lose a lot of exactly. people close to you. It's like the right. more people you get close to, the more people you have to lose. Right. right. Exactly. And I think and it's not so much that, like, she just doesn't want to deal with it as she knows she can't. Yeah. She's going to keep a straight and a clear mind. She can't let herself get attached. Right. But Mare does let her know that she's got the silvers on the run. That she, yeah. Mare can tell that they're scared. You know, everything oh, yeah. is changing and it's all because of the what guard. And uh, she says that has to count for something. Yeah. And Maven chimes in. Maven goes, oh. Yeah. He says it counts for nothing if you slink back into your hidden city and let them regroup. You're giving the king and the army time. My brother is already on your tail and it won't be long until he tracks you down. So there. Yeah. So you're living on borrowed time. Yeah. Because Cal's really good at this stuff. Yeah. This was his wrestling promo. Real mad. This was his wrestling promo. We're coming for you, brother. We're coming for you. Anyway. But Farley is like, I don't care about my safety. I don't care if they come 
for me. Right. This isn't about me. It's about everybody else that we're trying to save. Yeah. So if they come for me, mm-hmm. they come for me. But if my sacrifice saves one person, exactly, then it's worth it. It's like, I yeah. don't care about myself. I care about the normal people. The people who are getting punished right now and harshly. Yeah. The people in the villages, the everyday people. And Maven knows exactly what she's talking about because he was just there with Mare earlier and saw yeah. exactly right. what's happening to Reds. So yeah. he, he knows what she's talking about. And so they get to talking about what things are like back in the villages for Reds. And Kalorn says that they work double shifts every day. Yeah. Uh, that Sundays are days for hangings. They do all their hangings on Sunday. So everybody that gets executed for, you know, everything from breaking curfew to being a supposed member of the guard. Whatever ridiculous stuff they come yeah. up with. They all get hung on Sundays, yeah. And then they all get buried in mass graves. So they're not even releasing the bodies for individual burials. They're just putting them in mass graves. Yeah, so That's if, how many reds they're killing. So if you're reading the book at this point if you're reading the book at this point and you're feeling sympathy for the silvers. What's wrong with you? Don't. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And the cherry on top of everything else is that the fifteens and sixteen year olds that are now getting conscripted because they've lowered the age, are all being put into one legion and sent. And they're basically going to be the trench jumpers. Right. So it's not like they're going to be the fast ones that go in first. It's not like they're putting them, they're splitting them up between legions so that, like, they have some kind of chance. They're just putting them all in one legion. It's clearly, they're none of them are going to survive. And basically just using them as a human wave to throw... At the other side. Yeah. They're, they're all going to die. Pretty much. And they're not giving them much training either. No, they're just sending them up there. So Maven says that he may be able to get them to stop that. He may be able to talk to the head of the war council and get them to hold the 15 and 16 year olds back and just say that they need like more training or whatever. And that could save a lot of them from having to go to the line. Mm-hmm. and Mare's like, or is it Farley? He's like, that's not good enough. Mare? Yeah, that's not good enough. We have to do more. We can't just save the 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds. We've got to, you know, do something drastic. So she finally gets to tell somebody about the stupid list. She gets to tell Farley about this freaking list. So anyway... So she she pokes back at Farley first. She's like, so you have people everywhere, right? Yeah. And Farley's like, well, duh. I do. Pretty much. She's really interested. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I do have people everywhere. Why? Then Mara pulls out, pulls the book out of her pocket and is like, oh, well, then give them this. Mm-hmm. She says they're like me, red and silver, but stronger than both. Yeah. Which I think Julian wrote in there. Yeah. Yep. And it's uh, it's a very good, it's a good way to describe them. What's Farley's reaction here to receiving this book and the list of all the people that have abil- all the reds that have abilities? Whatever. Cool. I'll find them. He doesn't really have that extravagant of a reaction. Mm-mm. Mare's the one that tells her... You have to find you know, them. You have to work quickly and find them. them because the queen will find out about this list and then 
everybody that's on it is a sitting duck, basically. Which begs the, begs the question when I read through here, through this chapter the first time, I remember thinking to myself, Farley's reaction, and I know she's good at the non-reaction kind of thing, but still, you think you get something like perceptive, even if it's just a flinch. Kind of got to wonder, maybe Farley not necessarily have a list and know all of them, but maybe Farley already knows. We don't know yeah. if Scarlet Guard knows. They're red. Exactly. They may already know of Reds with abilities at yeah. this point. We don't know that. Yeah, because she doesn't, she doesn't act, you're right, she doesn't act like yeah. this is news to her or... The I'm, fact that there are other Reds with ability doesn't shock her. And the fact that Mara was a Red with an ability didn't, didn't shock, shock her. her. Yeah, Correct. So exactly. she's just like, here, hand me that list. Oh, cool. Yeah. There are more. Like it doesn't, and now she has the actual an actual has, list of them. Yeah, yeah, a list of confirmed, which is also dangerous, right? Because if it gets in the hands of the silvers, oh yeah. So a rare thing happens. Kalorn and Maven agree on something <laughs> <laughs> that they don't have enough. Other than that, Mare is hot. They don't have <laughs> enough time to track down all of the people on this list. That they have to act faster than that. Right. And so Maven kind of starts to form a plan in his mind. And he asks Farley what she would do with a Legion if she had one available to her in Archeon. And she's like, well, it wouldn't do me any good because out on the battlefield, we would just be crushed by all the other Legions. Like one Legion can't take on all these other soldiers. You know, what good is one legion gonna do and maven is well i'm not talking about the battlefield right i'm talking about bringing them here yeah and so mare catches on pretty quick Mm -hmm. that he means a coup he wants to plan a coup and overthrow the king and so Mare starts picking up what he's putting down. She says, you "Are mean we going to skip over the fact that Farley doesn't know what a coup is?" Yeah, she's like, oh, oh, "You mean yeah. a, you mean a coup?" And Farley's like, "A coup? What's a coup?" Like, like what? What a baby says, coup. <laughs> they explain it. It's whatever. Yeah, they just want to. The small group quickly overthrow the large government. That's the point, right? They want to take That's it over. The they want to take the head. That's what you do. You take the. Take over the the current yeah, administration. The you're, and, you're, and yeah, replace it with the, your own. Yeah. Mayor's simple, easy explanation is it's when a small group quickly overthrows a large government. That sound like what you want to do? Cool. Let's do it. Yeah, and and their plan isn't even really to take over the government. They just want to take out the bridge and separate East Archeon from West Archeon. So they would isolate West Archeon where just the palace and all that stuff is. Separate it from its food and water supply and all of that stuff and hold them hostage until the king overthrows the measures. That's really the first step that they're looking for is just getting the measures overthrown. Right. And getting those things put back into place because then they'll see a reduce of aggression against threats. Right. Here's... Another question that popped into my mind. As the Scarlet Guard knows how the silver Silvers operate, it's always mm-hmm. about power. They have to be in a position of power. Do you think that the Scarlet Guard really believes that the Silvers are going to give them what they're asking for after they destroy a bridge or if they destroy a bridge? You know what I'm saying? I, like, 
I don't see the Silvers ever willing to concede anything. Yeah. Does that make sense? I wonder if there's a, I wonder if there's a bigger, a larger game. It's like, if we completely cut off everything, we give them no other choice. Right. I get that. I'm just saying, I wonder if it's crossed their mind. I doubt it. That they're just going to be like, no, and then they'll do something, you know, else, like just bring a hundred random red servants up and on TV and be like, we're going to kill these servants if you're Scarlet Guard. I mean, why wouldn't they? Exactly. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. I guess they're but just... But start. I guess they're trying to see how far they go. And right. Not... you got to have a jumping off point. Right. You don't want to jump straight into trying to start a full-scale war right. unless you have to. There's other ways to go about it. Let's see if we can pull off this one part of it first. Right. Yeah. And then go from there. Yeah. I can't remember who it is that brings up that there's a legion of 5,000 people that are loyal to Maven's brother that are on their way to hunt down all of the Reds. Oh, it's Kalorn. I have the books. Yeah. Maven says that, or reminds everybody that legions are not loyal to their cause. They're loyal to their general. And they'll carry out whatever commands their general gives them. Yes. And he just happens to know somebody who's real close to a general. <gasps> Who is that? It's Maven. No, wait. <laughs> it's Mare. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Cal is the key to everything. Yep. It's and always Mare, about Cal. And Mare is the key to Cal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which Mare finds very confusing. She's like, what are you talking about? Cal's legion and his country are everything to him. And she's right. To a certain extent, though. She says that he would never betray his country or his throne or his father. For anything. Yeah, for anything. Maven is like, well, then you make him make a hard choice. Exactly. Give him a really hard choice. And put him on the spot. Right. And she still doesn't think it's going to work. She's like, if we make him do that, then, you know, he'll stay loyal to your father and he'll just kill me. Right. And Maven is telling her she couldn't be more right. wrong. I, I want to read what he says. Yeah, go ahead. Um, he says, I know my brother. If it comes down to it, to saving your life or saving his crown, we both know what he'll choose. He's also kind of flattering. Mayor? Oh, 100%. He's like, it's always about you. You are the center of everything. Totally works. (laughs) Flattery will get you everywhere with 17-year-old girls. Mm, That is true. Yeah. He'll always choose. And Kaloran's like, I can understand that. Right. What does Farley say? Something about throwing away... You want me to pin my entire operation... The entire revolution on some teenage love story? I can't believe this. And Kalorn's just over there like, I can't. And Mare says, thanks, buddy. <laughs> friend zones him hard. She friend zones him throughout this whole thing. It's like, she's met princes. You're never going to compete. Yeah. It's like, childhood friend? Princes. Prince. Yeah. yeah. They got to go higher. Like, every year for his birthday, she gives him, like, a framed picture of her with different sayings. One says, like, best friend. Next one says, never gonna date me. (laughs) Friend zone forever. (laughs) F 
that's ZF. Yeah. Get back in the friend zone where you belong. Yeah, the actual last three sentences of the chapter are, Across the table, a strange look crosses Kalorn's face. When Farley turns to him, looking for some kind of support, she finds none. I can, he whispers, his eyes never leaving mine. Cute. We get it. Everyone's in love with Mary. Right. Yes. Must be so great to be Mary. Right. I mean, no, really. no. Because she's in some bad situations, but... But all the boys love her. Yeah. They don't focus on that as much, though, which makes this a good excuse. That's right. She ain't got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. This comes from the kid who's reading another YA series now that is specifically all about love. <laughs> That's literally In fact, I point. think we've mentioned it on this podcast before. We have not. Or we talked about it in the parts that were cut, maybe. I don't think we did that We've either. talked about it at some point in time. You just don't remember. But anyway. But anyway. At least that, at least the first book doesn't have a love triangle, which makes me a little happy. That is true. That is true. Life's most complicated shape, the love triangle. Yeah, good one. Second only to the, I just walked in on my mother-in-law changing into her bathing bathing suit dodecahedron. (laughs) Oh, Ted. I love Ted Lasso. Anyway. Anyway. Is that everything on chapter 24 you guys wanted to hit? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think the plan is, the plan basically, if we want to break it down quickly, is we're going to use Cal and make him choose either Mare or his father. Or the king. Or the king. And see if these 5,000 soldiers that are loyal to Cal will follow his orders and do what he says, or if they'll stay loyal to the king if Cal's orders should be and to overthrow the king. I've got to be honest, I'm super optimistic about this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, guys, i got a real good feeling about this. Don't jinx it. Who's ready for fan art corner? Ready. I am. Ready. Let's do this. This one, this one is really good. This her art is so fantastic, and she's got a lot of great art, so I'm really excited to link to her page. This is um, on Instagram, once G Marie, so that's W-A-N-T-S-G-M-A-R-I-E, and this is her portrait of Mare. Wow, that's really good. Oh, and some of wow. those cool black pants oh that God. they like to throw Mare in. Doesn't that outfit look comfortable? It does. But it's also really stylish. Mm. I bet it has pockets. Oh, yeah, I bet it has pockets. But it's high-waisted. Mm, yeah. the high-waist look. But, you know, I'm not 17. I don't have the body of a 17-year-old. Exactly. But once, G. Marie, thank you so much for letting us use your awesome fan art. We will put it on our Instagram. We'll put it in our YouTube video. And we will also put it on our website, So speaking of all those fun socials, let me give them all to you guys now. Um, We are still closing in on our Dreamcasting episode. The conversation is getting heated. (laughs) I've seen a lot of things on social media, but a lot of them that I see don't have um, actors' names in them. So we can't really talk about them on the air. 
Uh, so if you guys have any of your fan casting, send it to us. Uh, you can shoot us an email. It's readingwiththerockefellers at gmail.com. We've got some fan cast posts on our Instagram. So you can find those and comment or uh, shoot us a DM on Instagram. Our handle is at Reading with the Rockefellers, all spelled out like that. You can tweet us at Rockefeller Read, or you can go to the website, which is just www.readingwiththerockefellers.com. There you can find all of our episodes. You can see our beautiful faces, all of our fan art, pictures of our adorable mascots, Meredith and Olivia. Who are probably over there cuddling right now because they haven't been fighting today. Um, and I think YouTube. YouTube, yes, our YouTube channel where you can find all of our episodes. Mia puts together fantastic video. All of our fan art is always on there. All of our social stuff. She does really cool little video transitions and stuff. Yeah, please Um, plug YouTube because I need validation. I spend a lot of time doing that and no one gets to see it it makes me a little sad she does she does we we have views we have some views so um our youtube channel uh i believe mia has told me that right now it is searchable under my name so the channel is just under beth rockefeller right now i will go on um when i post this week's episode i'll go on and try to change that so hopefully by the time you're hearing this we will have updated the YouTube channel to at least be the Rockefellers, if I can't title it Reading with the Rockefellers. Um, but if you search Reading with the Rockefellers, you will be able to find it because um, all of the episodes have that name. So I think that is everything for this week. This is kind of the last um, boringish chapter where not a lot of action happens it's all downhill from here yeah the next two episodes are going to be absolutely insane guys so stay tuned for that yeah maybe three depending on how we're just gonna chapter 26 uh, just for the rest of the book just for the rest of this first book it's kind of going to be insane yeah it's going to be pretty nuts so you guys aren't going to want to miss a minute come along with us on this journey and thanks everybody for listening we'll see you next week Bye. Bye.